The entire city is pissed. Come on, baby, make it hurt so good. Oh, yeah, baby. I'm Adrian Fedhue. Join alongside Brennan Albert, Mike Skolsky. We're here to recap, talk about the 2020 NFL Draft. And, of course, we'll be talking about Jalen Hurts as well. Let's talk about it. Let's, let's go. What's going on, fellas? Man, you say you don't have those intros planned, but then every single time you, you knock them out of the park, you make them laugh. <laughs> so I'll, get, I'll give you that one. A second ago, you're like, I, I don't know what I'm going to say. And then next thing I know, you're just singing. So I, I, I just it. go. I, I just go. <laughs> now, 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 the Jalen Hurts thing was kind of predetermined. The, the come on, baby, make it hurt so good because there is already a player on the Eagles that I use this for. Zach Ertz. Come on, baby, make it hurt so good. So now we got a second guy that I can use this song to. So John Mellicamp, he, he's going to be, uh, you know, getting all, all, all the accolades here. In heavy rotation, he's going he's gonna to pick up all of his residual checks from uh, normally a decade, probably the first year at Philadelphia Eagles. <laughs> yep, yep. So, all right, let's, let's break down the draft. Let's just talk about what we thought of it uh, as a whole. Do, do we want to give it a grade? I'm not a big draft grades guy, but, um, yeah, you guys go ahead. What, what, do you, what did you think? So now the dust has settled a little bit. I mean, obviously, we had to go through a shock, and I'm sure we'll get through that particular pick soon enough. But I'm yeah, at overall, about a minute. We'll get there. I think they went in with a clear goal, and that was to add speed to their team, something that they severely lacked last year, something we talked about. They put all their eggs in the Deshaun Jackson basket, and once he went down week one, we had no speed on offense. Everything's a slow, methodical drive. So they went in this one, and they, they prioritized speed, not only on offense but on defense. But there were, I loved, I mean, I think Jalen Rager, you know, could we have got him later? Who knows? We don't really know that. I think he's an amazing fit. And then I also like that we kind of doubled and then tripled down in day three because day three, they're kind of just like lottery tickets at that point. So you're just kind of buying extra tickets with uh, Watkins and Hightower. But Hightower was also one of my favorite day three picks. So, I mean, from that point, I mean, I liked it a lot. Uh, Davion Taylor and Sean uh, Bradley, they're both very athletic, very fast linebackers, both very raw. I don't expect them to do much outside of special teams this year. But, again, it's adding speed, something that we didn't have. So their goal with this draft, I think, was to add speed in this offseason. And I think they accomplished that. Um, some picks I have a problem with value. Uh, so for that reason, I'll probably give them about a B, B minus. But I like the philosophy. And I like a lot of the fits of the players they picked. I'm going to say Brennan didn't like this draft. I would say this. If, if we are angling from, hey, the goal is to get faster at receiver, essentially during the draft, not necessarily draft picks, the Eagles got three receivers that are all fast. All guys that are at least are 4-4 or better. Or um, count Goodwin. Sure. I actually was, was counting Goodwin there, Skolsky, between Rager, Hightower, and Goodwin, those being the, the three receivers that, you know, you, you add the speed with. So, Quez Watkins they drafted as well. 4-3-7 okay. out of Southern Miss, so they got him too. So oh, four guys. Okay. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not as thinking that he's going to be an impact receiver just yet, but okay. I, all right. If you, want to, if you want to throw me oh, that. Oh, we're talking right now. I, was just, I, I just thought we were just talking about all the guys. Who so, be it. so be it. I, I hear where you're coming from. Okay, we're on two different grading scales, but now we're aligned. I mean, when you look at what the Eagles needed going into the draft, I think that's the important thing to start when you start saying, well, how was the draft? Well, what did you need, right? So receiver was a need. Linebacker was a need. Safety was a need. Okay. Maybe corner, you know, was something you could have wanted and things like that. They obviously chose not to go that way. I was not a Jalen Rager fan. I had Jalen Rager more in a second round. So to me, the idea of sticking at him at 21, I'm not a fan of to begin with. If they would have traded back and got him, even if it was in the first round and later, so be it. But I wasn't a Jalen Rager fan. So my, my opinion on Jalen Rager isn't going to change. Now, does he fit what the Eagles need? Sure. But the value at 21 isn't going to make it justified to me. Then we have the big pick of Jalen Hurts in the second round. You pick the first two picks are guys who are going to be instant starters. And that's not what Jalen Hurts is. Okay? He's a guy that's going to play a lot of different situations. And even if you want to sell me on the idea of, well, we're drafting him to save us salary money down the line, and maybe even flip him down the line, okay, then my counterpoint would be the only way you flip him is if he plays. And the only way he plays is if Carson Wentz isn't on the field. 
So then you're acknowledging the fact that Carson is injury prone, which he is. We have to say that. The rest of the picks, fellas, I, I kind of thought, okay, fine, fine, fine. Hightower I liked as a role guy here. I liked the Goodwin trade. I don't know, guys. It's hard for me to give us anything better than a C-plus, Max. Actually, actually, I forgot my favorite pick of the draft, and that was Kayvon Wallace from Clemson. That's someone who I thought fit our team perfectly. Someone, you know, he wasn't next to the most athletic freak, defensive freak of draft, like the past five or six drafts on Isaiah Simmons. We probably would have got a lot more talk because he was doing a lot of the same things, playing both safeties, playing slot corner. And yeah, I think he had, I mean, it's, I mean whether you like it or not, PF, PFF had, had, had him as the highest uh, rated coverage safety in the draft. So that, I think, getting him in the fourth round, um, I would have actually been happy if I want to do some mental gymnastics, if I'm thinking we took him in the second round instead of Hurts and we got Hurts in the fourth, I actually like the draft better, but obviously that's not what happened. So that's where I go back to uh, knocking in points for value because as I agree with Bert 100%. When you pick a second-round player, uh, even though there are pros to what we got with Jalen Hurts, and we'll get into that, um, you expect that to be someone that comes in more than just a handful of plays a game and someone that's going to be an impact player uh, and not just you know a backup in case of emergency and then sprinkled in here or there. All right. So, you know, I, I've heard that argument with the, the Hertz and Wallace, if they were flipped, I'd be okay with the draft. But my counter to that is why couldn't they just take somebody else besides Jalen Hertz? And then you'd still have Kayvon Wallace in the fourth round. So, you know, that to me doesn't. That, you no, know, that's, I guess it was a mental gymnastics thing, not actually reality. Yeah. yeah gotcha. Yeah. Cause that, that's something that I've seen on, on the social media. And I, I don't think that's like uh, the correct way to view it. What would I give this, uh, draft class. I gave it a B. Um, we don't really know what's going to happen uh, with Jalen Hurts. I'll, I'll get into the philosophy of how I think they're going to utilize him. I guess we'll do that uh, next. But judging by you know how they attack the draft, the philosophy of it, how Skolski kind of talked about the speed, going after wide receiver Jalen Rager in the first round. I was a big Rager guy. I know Brendan wasn't. You know I would have maybe liked to trade back in the first round. Um, up to 21, there had only been one trade made. So maybe they were thinking, hey, you know, it, it's tough to make trades in this draft. I know there were trades made after that. Maybe that was part of the thought process. I don't know. But uh, I, I am a Rager guy. Um, the rest of the picks, I, I, you know, to me, the wide receivers to go Goodwin, Hightower, and, and Watkins, I think they kind of acknowledge there that they, they made a little bit of a mistake with Hertz because a lot of the receivers went. Um, between the second round and to when they picked again at 103. So Davion Taylor, who they picked in the third round, they went linebacker. So philosophy, it seemed like first three rounds, they went for guys with, you know, kind of upside, guys who uh, could have high ceilings. And then on day three, they kind of traded back, tried to utilize more picks, get more picks, uh, and then they just plucked people who kind of fell down the draft a little bit. So um, that's what it seemed like to me. I, I'd give it a B overall because they address needs, they address speed, um, but there are some things that we don't know yet. So that brings us to Jalen Hurts. Um, I read something today. Uh, I, actually, it was a tweet. I, I think it was Bleeding Green Nation. Either it was Bleeding Green Nation or, or it came from the account of, of Brandon Lee Gowton. But if Hurts wasn't the pick in the second round, it would have been either Jeremy Chin or running back out of Ohio State, J.K. Dobbins. The Eagles did not take a running back in the draft. They, to me, I thought they were going to get somebody like, a, like an in-between-the-tackles type in the middle rounds, whether it was Zach Moss or A.J. Dillon, whoever. Um, that's how I thought they would address it. So I'm looking at this. Could they be going to some sort of Taysom Hill two-quarterback system where Jalen Hurts – is taking snaps uh, and, and running the football? Uh, two things. Well, a couple of things. Uh, that, that was Peter King's report that uh, Brandon Lee Gowton. Uh, okay. Yeah, so that, but they said they probably would have went chin. I, I don't actually know if I would have liked the running back. Actually, Dob, you know, obviously Dobbins is really good, but you're talking about like a second fiddle to Miles Sanders. You know, yeah, 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 yeah. I, I wouldn't have been, a, I wouldn't have been there yeah, that right crazy now. about it. Yeah. But chin, you know, that was like – Chin would have fit. Brendan and I is like one of our favorite defensive prospects. So obviously, I would have loved that. I, I think the biggest thing is they see Jalen Hurts as 
you know, this is a franchise quarterback and he, this was someone that was too good to pass up. They're like, this is someone we think is a top potential to be a top 20 guy in the NFL and they know how valuable uh, a top 20 quarterback is. So that's part of it. That's definitely yeah, part, part of it. it. Oh yeah. So obviously we already talked about all of us hate taking him in the second. We want an impact player. So I'm going to more focus on the pros where uh, obviously the Eagles have the philosophy that they always want to have like a top tier backup or someone that's able to play. So, you know, we're not just completely screwed once if Wentz gets hurt, especially with his injury history. So they saw we get someone we think could be a top 20 quarterback or we can develop into one who's under team control, making less than a million dollar cap hit for the next four years, as opposed to say what the Raiders did signing Marcus Mariota to $7 million where it gets, and they think, oh, okay. So then not only do we have a cheap backup for four years, but this backup isn't just sitting on the bench. He's someone that we can sprinkle in our offense using different RPOs, you know, put on the field with Carson Wentz, put him in different positions, different situations to showcase him off. And then hopefully at the end of the four years, if Wentz is staying healthy and Wentz is playing like we expect him to play, we have showcased him enough and developed him enough throughout the, you know, you, you see what people won the sign Taysom Hill to this offseason. You see what, you remember what we got for Kevin Cobb, the Arizona Cardinals yeah. when they trade the fifth overall pick and the, sec- and the second rounder before the lockout happened. They're thinking we can showcase them all, we can develop them all while having a cheap backup, giving us cap space and providing value on the field and pr- potentially flip them for multiple picks. So that's, that's the thinking is that he was so high on their board that they couldn't not take him, which I don't personally, I didn't personally have him ranked that high. Like I liked them a lot. I would have never used a second rounder on him, but that, that was their thinking is that this is going to pay off down the road while also providing us a cheap backup now. What that does do is that gives us a lot of pressure to use that extra cap space for something to improve the team. And it also gives us a shorter leash to hit because now we have to hit on our other draft picks, those later picks. It's before you're expecting your second rounder to be an impact player. Now, since you're using your second rounder for that, you know, the special case that they found, it puts a lot more pressure on one of our other draft picks to save the draft class and be more of a more immediate pick. And you look at our past few drafts, our day three picks haven't been really panning out. So that's where, you know, I don't feel like we've been drafting well enough where we can take a luxury pick like we did with Jalen Hurts. That's where it comes down to. I, I understand their thinking. I understand the value that he can bring and potentially the mountain of value you can bring down the road. But I don't think, I don't have confidence of how we looking at our previous draft history and the holes that we have on our roster right now to think that was anything more than a luxury that we couldn't afford to take. Okay. So I, I think we're all in agreement that, you know, we would have taken another player, but I think we also understand what the Eagles might be trying to do with him. Uh, so this is where I go to Brendan. Uh, I'll let you chime in. Uh, I'm, I'm curious to hear your opinion about all this. So a couple things I wrote down here. First, um, I don't want to hear the argument of, for Jalen Rager, I'll go back here really quick. I don't want to hear the argument of, oh, what's well, hard to trade. There were four trades in the first round. In 2019, which had the record, there were six. In 2018, there were five. So it's right on par. It, it, it's, it's right on par for what previous years were. So I, I don't want to hear this, oh, they took Rager there because it was hard to trade out. No, it wasn't. Because the data shows that if other teams are doing it, what, does Philadelphia not have a phone system? No, I don't, I don't, I don't buy that. Okay, so I don't want to hear that conversation. It didn't, it didn't happen, though. I get it. If they have Rager that high on their board, then why even risk it? Because, I mean, say they were tied between him and Ayuk, one of the trade-offs was well, for they, they had him second on their board, according to the reports. Jalen Rager's was second. Re- I don't know if I believe that, but yeah, I, I don't know I, if I, I believe, believe that either. But but that's fellas, what, fellas, it fellas. was it was Judy first wife, and him second. I tell my wife that her cooking is very good after I eat it too. <laughs> no, I agree. I don't. I don't buy the story that he's done. Like, I'm just saying, everything is framed after the fact, not before the fact. All right. But I think we could also make the argument that after the top three, it's very subjective who your, sure. your next couple are. So I, it wouldn't shock me if they had him as their number four, and they were. You know, yeah. like we, we don't – yeah, we could trade back, but we just really want him when we don't want That may have been what it was, absolutely. And if that's the case, then you know what? My opinion is just Dylan Rager, and that's fine. If that's where it's just going to be, you know, two difference of opinions. He's cutting out a little bit. Yeah, he's cutting out a little bit. Hopefully, hopefully we'll get totally him back in a second. 
Uh, Yo, you're, you're cutting out, out on us, pal. Pal. Sorry, any better now? Yeah, we're good. I think so. Okay. So Skolsky talked about the Kevin Cobb flip situation for the it's draft. Best night. case scenario and a very risky scenario. Yep. Hundred percent. Because here's the other one: Josh Rosen. Right. Not right. I mean, it's it's the it's the exact same type of argument we're we're having here, hoping for here. Right. I mean, that's 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 the very realistic situation. Um, as far as what he is as a player, let's, let's kind of talk about what he is as a player. Um, I think you have to talk about the percentage of snaps he's going to play. Yes, you're, you're probably going to put in some fun packages for him and bring in some different wrinkles, but that's probably still going to be maybe at best 10 snaps a game where him and Carson are on the field at the same time or he's yeah. on the field by himself. Yeah, I had like 10 to 15 snaps, I was thinking. Right, yeah, yeah. okay. Okay, so you're like, okay, all right. So I think that's a realistic number. Putting that number in your head is important to frame it realistically, right? Um, I think what he is as a player, guys, I think he has the same athleticism similar to Russell Wilson. Mm-hmm. He has the um, athletic or quarterback ability coming out as Dak Prescott. It has to be open for him to throw it. I like that comparison. He doesn't throw with anticipation yet. Um, the trouble is anticipation only comes with what game reps. Yep. You can't get that in seven on seven, you know, you need game reps. So that's my little bit of a concern from his development standpoint. You have to wonder where's the game reps going to come. And if you're selling me it's preseason, that's all well and good, but we all know the same thing that preseason so short and it's not the real thing. You know? I, understand, I understand that, but the counter of that there's so few good quarterbacks in the NFL that even if he just shows a few flashes, I mean, you remember the, the contract that Matt Flynn got based pretty much True. based off one yeah. game, one week, yeah. 17 game. Well, next thing you know, he cashes in the Seahawks and never starts a game because they drafted Russell Wilson. Cause it's just so, there's so few great QBs that if they can even showcase a little bit of what he could do, not even what he is, but what his potential is, you could potentially have a team, you know, I mean, even Sam Bradford, we got a first for you know. Yeah, th- that's but. that's where I was going to go next because uh, you know the, the team that trades for a Jalen Hurts, if you do develop him properly, it'll be that team in between. That's picking say ten to twenty, right? The the team that can't get high enough to take you know one of the top guys, and they're settled on okay, let's trade for Jalen Hurts instead, and you're getting a pick from ten to twenty from a guy that you drafted in the second round. So so that's like best case scenario out of all this. Uh, something that I, that I will add that I, I haven't heard yet um, that um, I can see also happening. If the Eagles have a lead in the fourth quarter, say a double-digit lead, I can see them trying to close games out with Jalen Hurts and Miles Sanders out on the field and, and try and take Carson Wentz out so you don't risk him having to run the football. I can see that as well. Um, so I, I know reports that I've seen. Um, Doug Peterson has talked to John Harbaugh about this in, in the lead up to the draft and how they utilize Lamar Jackson. So I think we're going to see something here where he's being used again as uh, almost like a running back type. I, I packaged some plays together in my head, you know, trying to think about how they could use them. I'm thinking they'll, they'll go either pistol or, or shotgun with Sanders to his left and, and hurts to his right. Um, you could hand the ball off to him and, you know, this is where it could get kind of quirky uh, where you're handing the ball off to him, he's out on the perimeter, and he has the option to, to run or pass. And what I think about when I think about this is think about, like, the, the linebacker that's kind of in no man's land and playing monkey in the middle. He has to decide whether or not he comes up to make the tackle on the quarterback or if he's dropping back in coverage. That's where this uh, type of philosophy would, would, would potentially work. Um, so just thinking out some plays in my head, that, that's what I can see the Eagles doing. I mean, especially considering the speed that we now have, it's, I mean, if Jalen, I mean, if uh, Jalen Hurts can buy some time, you know, it's tough to follow Deshaun Jackson, Marcus Goodwin, Jalen Rager yes, for more than a, a few point. seconds. So, good point. But again, it, it's some unprecedented stuff or things that we've only really seen sprinkled in. Yeah. I mean, no one's really ever featured it. Now, I mean, I don't think we're going to feature it, but kind of what you said with like the option rolling out and throwing it, that's not something we see too often in the NFL. No. But that doesn't mean, you know, we can't. But there's a lot of questions with this pick, which is a lot more questions than you typically have with a, with a second rounder, which is what it comes down to. That doesn't mean that, you know, maybe it'll pay off and maybe it'll be well, – in hindsight, it'll be, we'll all be on old takes exposed for trashing the pick. But there's a lot of questions. It's like, okay, there's, there's a lot of things that have to go right for this to be a great pick where there's a lot of 
uh, picks that would have just pretty much been plug and play with one of our numerous holes that we have. That's kind of what it comes down to in my mind right now. Yeah, yeah. Right. I like I, I like Jalen Hurts for the record, fellas. I really do. So do I, uh, yeah. I, I, I think he could be a guy who could have a – I think his career path maybe is like Dak Prescott to um, – oh, gosh, what's his name? He's in, he's in uh, the Chargers now. Uh, Tyrod Taylor? Tyrod Taylor. I think yeah. like that is kind of – like I think he's a low-floor guy. I feel pretty darn confident that worst-case scenario, he'd be a hell of a backup in the league. And, you know, I, I see a lot of success. I just worry about where his developmental opportunity is going to come. If it's the best-case scenario is games, that unfortunately is also saying then you're either hoping the Eagles are winning by a million and five at the end of the first quarter, which is kind of unlikely mathematically, <laughs> or you're saying that Carson Wentz is not playing because he's hurt. That's my that's my knock I have on the pick. Not on not on Hertz as a player. It's more on the landing spot. Yeah. So the ne- the negatives to this uh, that that I've heard, um, you know, that makes sense. It, it's from a mental perspective. You, you got rid of Nick Foles to you know get away from the controversy, and now you bring in somebody else, and it's going to add fuel to the fire. You know, let, let's say Jalen Hurts fills in for Carson Wentz and. He's doing well, and, and all of a sudden this starts that, that quarterback controversy thing in, in, in Philly. Uh, I, I don't see how that could be a good thing. I mean, honestly, being an Eagles fan my entire life, the most popular, one of the most popular people in Philadelphia has always been the backup quarterback. Yeah, like, yeah it doesn't matter who AJ, it is. <laughs> her chance for A.J. Feely. I mean, even, <laughs> even, even last year, I mean, there's times where people go, like, oh, put McCown in. McCown would be – it's like, no, McCown would not yeah. So, I mean, I think, I think Wentz has kind of gone through that already, and I think he knows how to tune things out. I mean, if he would have crumbled last year, I've had more questions, but the fact that he put the team on his back the second half with a bunch of practice squad receivers and carried us into the playoffs, I, I'm not too worried about Carson Wentz. I mean, is it going to get annoying when he throws his first interception and you see a bunch of people on Twitter saying, put Jalen in, he can run it better? Yeah, it's going to be really annoying, but that's just – for me as a fan, I'm not, I'm not too worried about Carson. Uh, as long as Carson's staying healthy, he's, he's the man. He's the man going forward, and I think that's that. That's the take right there. It's, it's an annoyance, but it's I don't know if he's going to be. For us. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's an annoyance. Uh, what do you think, Brennan? I think there's two different trains of thought here, right? You have some teams, let's, let's use like what the Saints did, right, when they brought in Teddy Bridgewater to man the fort. For those couple games where Breeze was out, they won a couple games, and then Breeze comes back, and the Saints are running on all cylinders. That's one train of thought. The other train of thought is what the Colts used to believe. And there's an old story that the coaching, coaching staff at the Colts said, hey, if, if someone asked, why doesn't the backup quarterback get any snaps? And the response was, because if 18 goes down, we're fucked. <laughs> <laughs> And we don't practice fucked. There's, there's <laughs> yeah. two trains of thoughts. And the Eagles obviously are on one train. That's totally fine. I, I myself am more on the other. How about but this? I understand. Let me throw this out there. I mean, we, we know how important it is to have a first-round bye. If you look at the, the, the last – like pretty much all the Super Bowls, the hand, except for the handful, uh, it's all been people who usually have that first-round bye, if not home field advantage. With the new playoff system, we're only seeing one team yeah. get that bye. So, you know, before we could maybe afford a loss or two of your quarterback goes out, I feel like having a backup almost is a lot more valuable now because you can't really afford those losses in the middle like you could before because having that buy is so important. Boy, that's a big gamble, though, because you're uh, hoping I'm – not, I'm, not, I'm not saying for the second rounder. I'm just saying – Yeah, putting, I, I, I'm just saying valuing your backup even more because of that. Not, I, not, I get it. I get it. Separately than Jalen Hurts, yeah. I get it, but now I'm just saying you're you're hoping everything goes the right way and you win all the right games and you lose all the ones that don't matter so that you end up as that one team getting the bye. It's a lot to ask. I get where you're coming from, though. And I think there is also an element of hubris that went along with this pick where they're like, oh, we – that you know, the whole quarterback factory comments, like, oh, well, we can develop him. Like, we can, we can take this mold of play and we can turn him into the, the top, you know, make him reach his potential, which we've had as much, much success – making franchise QBs as we have transitioning QBs to wide receivers. So, I mean, you look at – if they were that great at – you know, if it was a perfect thing and they were that amazing at it, we wouldn't have cut the quarterback we drafted last year. So, I mean, do I think they can? Yes. And I, do I think Hurts can? Yes. I like Hurts a lot. I like his potential. 
I like his demeanor, I like his personality. He's he's everything you want in a quarterback. Besides, you know, just he just needs that experience and kind of take that next step, which I think he can get to. But again, that was a little rich for me in the second. But I, I, under, I at least understand their thinking, even though I don't necessarily agree with it. Yeah, he he's the guy for this. I mean, if you think about the the player who fits this, it's Jalen Hurts. You know, yeah. you you think of like potentially who would would come in and and play this role. It, not everybody's going to want to come in here and, and do this. They want to be a quarterback, you know. And Jalen Hurts, I see him as somebody – you think about the Tua Tagovailoa situation and how he filled in for him in the SEC championship. He's the guy for this. And if he's the guy for this on that end, I think Carson Wentz is the guy for it on the other end, even though, you know, it sucks again. We, we got to deal with the, the, the whole annoyance of the, the backup quarterback controversy. But – judging by you know kind of how he's handled it now i know like it's it's he's just saying the right things and all that and we don't really know what's going on behind closed doors but he's the guy for it and uh jalen hurts is, is is the guy for the other end so uh there's that all right we just spent 30 minutes. i think bert wanted to say something yeah no, go you're... ahead we spent 30 minutes on jalen hurts already well but you're 100 percent right with everything you said about jalen hurts and carson wentz when you're a a team captain for alabama and in oklahoma that tells me you're a badass of a leader. Everyone respects you from the top down. The only thing I will say here, fellas, and, and I, I don't want to be the Debbie Downer. I know, I know I'm sounding that way. The only concern I have is what happens if teams, if players are thinking he's leader and partner? That is a scary thing I would have. Because when you are a guy who is used to being the captain, it's hard all of a sudden not being the captain. And if players start following him, that is a scary situation. We already know Carson is not the alpha dog. There's nothing wrong with that. That's not his personality. That's the only thing I fear down the line. Yeah. And kind of, you kind of hinted on it, but I'll give him a lot of credit. After Tua took over him for him in the national championship game, most people would have transferred right away. He went to next. He went to the training camp and he battled for him. He even lost out, and he could have transferred again, but he stayed there. You you watch him on the sideline. He couldn't have been a more supportive teammate. Yeah. He, he was he he was willing to help in any way he could. Obviously, afterwards he, he transferred and made you know he took he looked like a completely different player in Oklahoma. He looked before you were thinking, oh, this guy's gonna have to change positions. But in Oklahoma, he actually looked like a legitimate quarterback. Mm-hmm. But you know he 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 handled that whole situation with Tua amazingly. So that's why I think he can handle this situation with Wentz. Uh, Burke does bring up a big point, you know, um, that if he's you know if people in the locker room start believing Jalen more than Carson, but that would kind of be the situation where Carson's not doing well. So that's kind of where maybe it is a good pick because maybe Carson's not either not staying healthy or not, you know, living up to his potential. So yeah, that, that would be the worst case, but I get, again, at least if that's a situation, we probably have other problems as well. Mm-hmm. We've brought it up. Uh, the Eagles, they, they drafted a lot of speed, especially at the wide receiver position. You know, it'll be interesting if, this is something that they do utilize, you know, all this window dressing with Miles Sanders, Carson Wentz, and, and Jalen Hurts in, in tow. You know, you use all that window dressing. That's sucking up the linebackers. That's sucking up the safeties. That opens things up for all that speed, and if it works. And that's, you know, where Jalen Rager, John Hightower, Marquise Goodwin, um, that's where they could pay dividends here. And also who that opens up for Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard. I mean, yeah. before – Everyone knew those were our top targets. They just focus on our tight ends because they're like, oh, I can leave one-on-one coverage in the outside. I, I think we got a vacuum going. Is that a vacuum? You, I, don't I don't know where that's coming from. I think that was Bert. Someone was up to your headset the last time you were talking. It, Maybe just unplug yeah, it. Yeah, it's not it like somebody's vacuuming somewhere. Yeah, um, so anyway um, – before everyone knew we're going to the tight ends, you know, they didn't have to worry about our outside receivers. They put, you know, they put one corner on there and they didn't have to have a safety up, up deep. So they were like, they just had our safeties down low, worrying about Zacharis, worrying about Dallas Goddard. Now, when you have guys who run four, three speed, you know, you have to have a safety, you have to have a safety deep. That's going to, you know, you're going to have to see a lot more cover two than cover one. So that's going to open up the middle of the field. And I think yep. you're going to see a lot more production, a lot more, uh, open catches from Zach Ertz and say, you know, we, we always we always joke that, you know, he catches and falls down. That's because most of the catches he was making were contested catches because he was the focal point of their defense. Now you focus too hard on the tight ends, you're going to get burnt deep. 
and we don't have all of our eggs in a, a 30 plus Deshaun Jackson who's gets gets injured, you know, misses about five games a year on average. Now we have several guys who can fill in that role. So if he does go down, we have at least one other person who can step up. So that's why I thought it was so big that we had speed. And I thought that was that was great. Yeah, I mean, that was that was my knock with Justin Jefferson uh, as being the pick for the Eagles in the first round. We did all those mocks, right? We said, like, hey, the concern is he doesn't necessarily play with that same level of speed that we saw in, in Jalen Rager. Yes, I understand what 40-yard dash times are, guys, but those things are doctored. I mean, those things are all fabricated because guys spend all the offseason training to run a 40-yard dash. That's not necessarily what we see in game film all the time, right? So – I think I understand the speed component and you're right, Skolski. It does make life a lot easier for the great tight ends the Eagles have. Yeah. So uh, speaking of the, the manipulation of, of the speed time, what's it like 0.15 you said, is it 0.15 at the pro day? Cause he was four, two, two and, and four, two, eight, uh, depending on, on which stopwatch, you know, you saw which scout uh, they had like the social media, they, they, they showed all that. So it's really sub four. It's like four, three, five, four, four, and, somewhere between that range. And, and the Eagles, they, they even mentioned it when, when they were going over the pick. They, they have the GPS data. Like, they have the actual game speed, how fast he's running in the game. Like, that's yeah. where our technology is these days. So, that you know, it's one – like, I feel like combine 40 time is more of, like, don't F it up, essentially, more than anything. Uh, just kind of show up you're prepared that you were working towards it. And then, you know, they have the game film. They can see how fast he was actually running. I think – I forget which site it was. They had him – he had the second – after Ruggs, I think he had the second fastest time speed on the field. So, I mean, he's obviously faster than a 4-4. Four four. I mean, and just because he run fast on the track doesn't always translate to the field yeah. as well. And kind of what I was going off uh, what Bert was saying about how Je- Justin Jefferson's kind of, you know, it's not exactly where what we need right now. It doesn't really open things up for those other guys. Based off how he's comments, I think they would have took Ayuk if Rager wasn't there. I don't, I don't think – I agree with that. It doesn't doesn't sound like Jefferson was really even in their mind because it just, no. which tells me that they don't think that he can play on the outside. They think he's a very good slot receiver. It's kind of what we talked about. It's like if he can play on the outside, you have or you believe that he can, go ahead and take him. But it didn't sound like many of the comments that they were talking about that they, that they were too confident that he could be anything other than a slot. I think he'll be a very good slot receiver, but what the Eagles need is not another slot receiver, especially yeah. with our two tight ends. Yeah, they, they were addressing the levels. And, uh, you know, they, we, we think about last year, uh, Miles Sanders using him in the screen game, the, the tight ends, but nobody could stretch the field. And now they have somebody who could stretch the field and it just opens everything else up. And, you know, it's, it's crazy how, you know, somebody like Deshaun Jackson, you put him in the offense or, or somebody like Jalen Rager, I don't know how much he's, you know, going to do right away, but just stretching the field, it, it really does. Uh, help you out. So in terms of what he can provide, um, you know, the, the route running, I, I, I still think there's room for improvement there. Um, I, I do think he can uh, track the deep ball. And, and when, I, when I think about what he can do with the deep ball, it's like, yeah, you can run fast, but can you track the deep ball? Can you make the adjustment when it's underthrown? Can you high point the ball? And these are all things that, that he can do. Yeah. yeah, out there. I think the, uh, the the biggest knocks on him, because Adrian, you nailed all the all the top stuff. I'm just going to add all the things that are the flip. Sure. The biggest knocks are not the most durable guy. I don't think he's elite hands by any means. But if you want him to take top off the defense, play action, he's going to keep that safety at bay because he absolutely has the ability to to beat beat you vertically. And you know what? That route running stuff that can come with time. I, I'm a I'm a believer that like if you come into the league as a route runner you're probably going to hit hit your stride very early. Yeah. But I don't think it's something you have to have. I think it is something you can develop if you believe you have the right receivers coach. It's also important to note how terrible the quarterback play was at TCU. I think he had like four or five different QBs in last year. He had a true freshman quarterback who you could tell they weren't confident at all in the way they schemed those games. And you could tell the receivers weren't confident at all. Um, I think – I forget what it was – he had the highest percentage by far of any of the draftable receivers of targets that were even kept that were non-catchable. I think it was like 30 or 40%, which is pretty absurd. I know there was a video floating around of just times where he was wide open streaking down the end zone and the guy just completely missed him. So um, it's tough. Cause I mean, that, that kind of goes back to, you know, different situations, you know, like obviously it's more nuanced than this, but, you know, put just Justin Jefferson in TCU versus Jalen Rager 
on LSU or, you know, put Jalen Rager instead of Henry Ruggs, you know, where he has Jerry Judy, you know, who can take, uh, get attention off of him and Devonta Smith, who's also probably a future first rounder. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of different nuances to it. I mean, I mean, I should say even Justin Jefferson has Jamar Chase, arguably he's better yeah. receiver in this draft that of this deep receiver draft. So it's tough. It's that's what, that's where like the scouts make their money. They have to take all those things in consideration you know, quarterback play first, you know, uh, other weapons on the offense that are uh, demanding attention. So, but in TCU, he was the guy. Teams had the game plan for him. And on top of that, he had very crappy QB play, to put it lightly. Yeah. So, um, it's interesting, but there's definitely, uh, definitely had some risk to it, but that also gives you some hope that he could maybe clear up when he has a QB like Carson Wentz, someone that can be consistent. Yeah, just to put a bow on it here, a uh, couple other things that, that you'll see within the offense, uh, some jet sweeps, some motions, some reverses with them. Some of the stuff that Nelson Aguilar used to do, uh, you know, the, the fake jet sweep where they'll put they them out. They try to do with Nelson Aguilar. Yeah, yeah, they tried to do it with Nelson Aguilar, the, the, the swing pass. That's something that I could see being very effective uh, for Jalen Rager. So there's that. All right, moving on to the rest of the draft. Um, linebackers. I, I, I guess we'll just hit these in, in bulk since we're already like 45 minutes in. We're not going to talk about every single pick. We, we did talk about Wallace already. Uh, Davion Taylor, outside linebacker out of Colorado. We touched on Sean Bradley a little bit, inside linebacker out of uh, Temple. And then there's Casey Tuhill, who's uh, more defensive end, defensive although he was end, yeah. listed as, as a linebacker uh, for Stanford. So, Brendan, uh, Davion Taylor, what, what do you know about him? Athlete, guy who is a lot of traits, play, had great testing numbers, but, and this is pretty darn normal, once you start getting into day three, you get guys who have the traits, but not necessarily the statistics to back the traits up, right? Mm. So didn't have all the numbers that you would you were expecting there for a guy who ran, let me, let me double check what his 40 was, because remember it was, it was moving. I think it was around um, four or five-ish. Yeah, I forget what this exact number was. I'll, I'll, I know you're right, Skolski, but at six foot one, two twenty, he is undersized, so he does play with. He does have the speed. He four four nine. Four four nine. Just didn't necessarily show that in his film, and that's why he's a day three guy. So, you know, usually, fellas, you start getting into day three, you're starting to say, okay, maybe this is a guy who has like a suspension, or maybe this is a guy who had you know missed some time with injuries, or in this case, this is a guy who is you know all twitched up of an athlete but the stats aren't there. So, you know, day three guys, this is where you're hoping, hey, maybe they can be a package situation, you know, a guy that can maybe rotate in. Yeah, Davion Taylor, okay, cool. Let's, let's, let's swing for it. And really, when they got to this point at the, uh, what, 103rd pick, most of the linebackers were kind of picking. You know, most of them were kind of gone by this point. Yeah. So it wasn't like there were a lot left on the board, to be fair. Yeah. Do you see him as somebody who could play a little safety too? Do you see him as a kind of a hybrid? I do. I think, I think that is a definitely a fair thing. But here's my concern. I always have Adrian. He's a guy who ran fast, but his film doesn't consistently show him being fast. That's where I get nervous about the idea of him playing safety. Is safety, you got to be able to play with speed. And that, that just worries me. I'm okay with you being a, you know, a slow linebacker. I'm never okay with a slow safety. So, yeah. So let me, uh, sorry, but I, I just want to ask him one more question because you, you were talking about how he's not playing fast, right? Does yes. that have to deal with his lack of instincts from not playing that much because of the height? Did you hear about the high school thing where he didn't play on, on Saturdays? Does that factor into this? It absolutely does. I mean, like just like I talked about with Jalen Hurts, game reps is always how you develop, right? And if yep. you have someone who has a limited experience with football at a linebacker position or safety position where you are taught to read keys, read the offensive guards, tackle, center – and that's how you determine the plays. If that's not something he has a, as large of an experience around, okay, then yeah, Adrian, I, I think that's definitely a fair concern there. Yeah. Uh, so I, I had him as one of my – when we did our, our show about, you know, our, our individual boards, you know, we did our first three rounds, and then we did our, our favorite values, uh, you know, day three. I had him as one of my day three values. I didn't – I wasn't very happy. I mean, like as, as Brennan alluded to, there's a run on linebackers, so – I don't hate it, but I was, I was thinking more – when I envisioned getting him, I was thinking of more potentially closer to the fifth round just because of how raw he is. His upside's enormous. Yeah. His floor is very low. Like, he might not even play more than special teams this next year because he just doesn't have the game reps. You know, there's, there's a lot of coaching that needs to go along with it. 
do I, he does he does fit because we we love those kind of like positionless guys who can kind of have an ability to move all around or, or and what we want of our linebackers is is be able to cover the slot receivers tight ends he has that ability but he needs he needs more coaching so the reason I I, I like him a lot as a player and I understand Ron linebacker is the reason I was a little down on this even though I, I did have him listed was because you know day two you know we take Jalen Hurts who's someone who's not going to make it that big of an immediate impact and then our next pick after waiting about 50 picks after Jalen Hurts, we take someone who, again, is probably not going to make that much of an impact this year. So that was my knock on it. I do like the player, and I do like his upside. But, you know, after the Hurts pick, I was kind of hoping that we'd get someone that make a little more immediate impact. But maybe down the road it will be. But um, I, thought it was, I thought it was a little early for him. But obviously the upside's there, and they didn't think he was going to make it. Go for it. Yep. There are two linebackers that run the board person I would have preferred. I would have preferred Akeem Gaithers out of App State, and I would have preferred, definitely preferred Troy Dye from Oregon. Obviously, Troy Dye was the guy who went a little later for whatever reason. We don't know. But that's just my personal opinion again. Yeah. Yeah. I think that goes back to their philosophy. They, they were emphasizing speed, whether or not that turns out to be the, the right method or they focus too much on speed. Time will tell. Maybe they should have went someone with more instincts, but we'll see. Yeah, they, they were definitely uh, focusing on speed, that's for sure. Uh, before we talk about Kayvon Wallace, I, I know we talked about him briefly already. Let's just touch on Jack Driscoll and Prince Tega Wanano, uh, Wanago. Uh, so Driscoll was taken in the fourth round, uh, Wanago in the sixth round. So you had Halapulavati Vaitai signs the contract with Detroit. You have some uh, guys that left. So depth is an issue. You address that with these two picks out of Auburn. So um, I see, I see, I like those a lot. I mean, I see Driscoll's potentially uh, being like a Halaputi Vatai guy, kind of someone who can play tackle and guard, has that versatility. Yep. And I, I also trust Jeff Statlin when he, if there's one position that we've been nailing in the draft, it's been kind of finding those diamond in the rough uh, linemen. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I do like that a lot. And I think that was also apt value of where we got him, you know, getting someone that can be a spot starter, tackle, guard, or he potentially has the ability to, be a starting guard in the next level. I mean, be a starting guard and maybe lose Saimalu to center once Kelsey retires. But I think that's that's the right value of what we're looking at, someone that can be kind of like a swing tackle around there. Uh, I like the Prince pick a lot. I mean, if it wasn't for uh, the medicals, you're talking about potentially being, you know, a second-round pick because he was going there earlier. So I think sixth round, I, I mean, I, that's where you're kind of, you know, they're kind of like lottery tickets at that point. I mean, to get someone that has second round talent in the sixth round, you're willing to, it's not much of a risk at that point. You're willing to overlook some of his medicals. It's possible he fell even more just because of the pre-draft process being, you know, with the whole COVID-19, you know, teams haven't been able to check him out with their own doctors. So maybe a lot of teams were being more risk adverse. But in the sixth round, to get someone that's potentially a day, you know, round two talent, I think that's, that was a great pick. Even if he doesn't pan out, I think it's worth the risk in the sixth round. Swing the bat. I mean, you got two guys that are 6'5", 300 pounds, can play either tackle or guard. You're 100% right, Skulls. Both of these guys are developmental guys. Both of them can play tackle or guard. So, hey, it's a great type of situation. Just swing and see what happens. Yeah. All right, we'll touch on Kayvon Wallace here to close. Uh, So Malcolm Jenkins leaves in free agency. Uh, Seems like the Eagles are going to have to use a couple different players to to try and fit – uh, his role. So this is one of those guys, Kayvon Wallace, fourth rounder out of Clemson, uh, can play a little slot. So uh, thoughts on, on, on Wallace as a player, Brendan? I'm going to let Skolski go first because I know, I know Skolski loves this one, so I don't want to steal anything that he's excited to say. So <laughs> well, I kind of spoke on it earlier. It's just he's kind of like the, that Malcolm Jenkins type role where he can be like a Swiss Army knife. You know, he can play safety. He can play, you know, dime linebacker. He can play slot corner. He has very good – he's a coverage guy. He's very good. He's great instincts. He has the right mentality. Uh, he's someone that I liked a lot coming into the draft. He was also one of the guys I believe I had as one of the people I, I would love to get even in the third round. I, some people had him going as high as a second. I mean, uh, it's also nice to get take a break from the Pac-10 the pack guys. So, I mean, fuck, but um, – he, he's someone that I think just fits us like a glove. And I think after Rager, I think he has the, the best chance to make an immediate impact. Maybe not day one, but it wouldn't surprise me if he has a pretty prominent role, you know, playing in the SEC, you know, playing this variety of roles. It wouldn't, wouldn't surprise me if he gets on the field uh, sooner than later and has, you know, uh, staying power. And hopefully he'll 
I don't want to compare them to. We have a good track record taking the safeties from Clemson. Yeah. As long as you don't count C.J. Gaddis, I guess. But going back to the one before that, it was pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, I would say Skolski. I would agree that he's more of a slot corner to safety guy. I, I don't buy that he can play in the box full time, only 200 pounds. That's not necessarily the ability, the consistency that typically you see guys playing in the box. Very consistent in the ACC, team captain at Clemson. When you're a team captain from those type of programs, it, it usually tells you something because they're you know playing with a whole bunch of guys who are going to play in the league. So. I, I like him, Skolski. I would agree with you, though. I think this is a guy who, outside of Rager, has the best chance at being a, quote, starter um, for the Philadelphia Eagles in the upcoming season. Thank you for correcting me. I meant to say ACC, not SEC. <laughs> but, yeah, the, the point stands. He's just a very talented player. Uh, you say he's probably not going to be the, the, he's not gonna be a box safety, but that's never really been the type of safety that Jim Schwartz has really prioritized. Yeah. So, that's why it goes back to scheme fit where I think he's an excellent scheme fit where more than a team that would potentially want more of that big, more of a bruising safety. That's never been really a Jim Schwartz thing. He's always his biggest thing with safeties has been versatility and coverage ability. And I think he checks off both those boxes. All right. Um, that's about it. I, we, we went through all the guys. Uh, we touched on everybody. Um, do we want to touch on a receiver? I, I feel like we already touched on that. I mean, do we want to, lament further on Hightower and Watkins? I liked Hightower. He was a guy, Adrian, that I, I put in my, in my deep sleeper as far as being a guy who could fit a positional role. He can run straight. Yeah. He's, he, he can run fast. So, you know, for where he was taken in the fifth round, it's a good value. You're just looking yeah. for those type of situations. But final, my closing thought here is the reason I gave this draft, you know, closer to a C grade than a B grade most guys who are in the league, if they're starters, they're playing at least 40% of the snaps, you know, in a given yeah. game. I'm not seeing anyone. I can see Jalen Rager. I can probably see Wallace getting to that 40-snap number. I don't see anyone else doing that on, on, on this draft. So, for that, fellas, that's why I'm a C. Yeah, so it, it's what the uh, – I'm trying to remember what I heard. It's like the, the first three rounds are guys who are supposed to be – uh, kind of starters, and then after that, it's it, it's more role players. Um, I'm I'm also trying to hit what what's the hit rate on like guys four to seven? Do you know that off the top of your head? The hit rate four to seven, like guys who stick. Yeah, guys who stick. Yeah. I don't know off the top of my head. Yeah. Okay. No no worries about that. But traditionally, uh, four to seven guys, you're looking at them to be role players in an offense or a defense. You know, for example, a situational pass rusher. Yep. Or high tower, you know, guy who can just run vertical, and then you want guys who are on special teams. Yep. High tower does both those, and high tower is someone that you know it wasn't a historical deep wide receiver class, and so maybe he does sneak in the day too. Because, I mean, I I had him as someone I really liked. I mean, he's just so dynamic after the catch, and he's he's just he's very great at uh, tracking deep balls. You know, it's great to have deep speed, but if you can't track the ball, like Sheldon Gibson, Nelson Aguilar, we've seen. They, they both have great speed, but if you can't track the ball, it does, you know, kind of makes the speed useless almost. So I think that's someone that has very high potential. I see what uh, Brennan's saying about impact players. I do think Davion Taylor can turn into that, but again, that's more of a down-the-road type thing. The only two, I agree with him, the only two that we really see seeing 40% plus snaps, bearing injury, of course, would be, you know, Rager and Wallace. Maybe, maybe even a maybe with Wallace. Uh, Bradley's probably more special teams right now. Um, I can see uh, they went for upside and they went for speed this draft. So it's a very, very risky draft. It could turn out to be an absolute home run. It could turn out to be an absolute shit show. Like there's, they didn't really go safe. They didn't play it safe at all this draft. So it's going to, it's going to be very interesting to revisit this one because I think a lot of people, someone's going to get it wrong. So you look, even if you look at our draft grades, you see a lot of people giving us either A's or D's. There's like very few yeah. people giving us in the, in the middle grades because it's a very polarizing draft and it's very, you know, hit or we, we pick a lot of low floor, high ceiling guys in this draft. So time will tell, but I, only a handful of guys I think are going to make an impact this year. That's why I gave it a B minus. Yeah, I said on the radio, I was like, when you look at the draft grades, I'm sure the Eagles are probably going to have the biggest variance in terms of their grades because, you know, there's just so many different opinions on what they did. This felt like a Howie draft, whereas, you know, the ones kind of last couple years, they drafted more on production at the college level. This year was more on upside. 
Yeah, I mean, especially when you when you draft Jalen Hurd in the second, Adrian, that's, that's exactly what you're, you're talking about here. And I think, you know, a lot of the, the folks who probably are going to be the higher draft graders are probably going to be more data analytic people. I think mm. data is probably going to love this draft more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rager. PFF, yeah. Yeah, Hightower, et cetera. Those, those ratings and analytics probably going to love it. The more traditional football experts that are going to think of it more of like, you draft to fit your team needs opposed to, you know, best player available probably aren't going to love it. So that's exactly why we're seeing such a wide spread of grades with the, the birds draft this year. So yeah, like uh, drafting off production was a Joe Douglas thing. And then after he left, that was how he even hinted towards that, that they had to kind of reevaluate. So, you know, they took, you know, our Sega white side who had fantastic production at Stanford. And then even how I think he, I think I forget what he referenced. I think it was Terry McLaurin where he said, how you know how come we're taking we're, we're, we're basing off production but then you see guys who have limited college production making immediate impacts in the nfl and showing their stars because obviously we're not, we're not doing something right with our scouting we have to reevaluate it so i definitely agree that there was a big philosophy shift this draft mm-hmm. and i don't know if that's i think that's a big part of joe douglas being gone and then how he has been taking over where he's t- like i said he's he's been a lot he seems a lot less risk adverse where he's he's taking shots at those high ceiling guys at yeah. the cost of a, a lot more risk to it. Being, to, because I guess to be fair, we took a lot of safe guys these past drafts who didn't yes. work out. Yep, yep, exactly. All right, that's it, boys. But that's our show. Um, that was a lot of fun getting into Jalen Hurts. Uh, I'm awesome to see you know your well, awesome to get that discussion in and just get your thoughts and everything because you know I I was driving myself wild about it. You know I right after the draft happened. Uh, well, the second day happened. What my immediate thought was, they were going to throw him in a trade for uh, Yannick Ngakwe. And then I realized how stupid it was 10 minutes later after I said that because I, I realized that, that Jacksonville picked like 10 picks prior. They would have just picked Jalen Hurts at pick 42 or whatever it was. So I, I was freaking out about it to start. It, it took me hours and it took some, some brisk stages walking. of grief. Yes, yes. And we felt Compr- it. Compromise. With- yeah, we, 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 we had it in our text messaging. I couldn't even text because my phone is all screwed up. I was just angry emojis, and I couldn't send them. I saw, um, I saw Jeff McLean tweet out the pick before it happened. I, I had the triple check, check that it wasn't. Oh, yeah, yeah you, you texted OMFG in big, bold capital I, I, I literally went back three times to make sure that it had a blue <laughs> check mark. I was like, that has to be a parody. That yeah, yeah. And, and, and when you sent that text, I'm like, oh, God, what did they do? And then I saw Jalen Hurts, and I turned the draft off. I put my headphones on. I put my music on, and I took a walk. And I took a walk trying to figure out why the fuck they would do this. And now, three days yeah, later, a little bit better, but yeah, better. three days later, I'm like, okay, I can kind of understand where they're going. Um, yes, I would have taken somebody else, but I'm intrigued by what this might uh, come out towards, and, and we'll see what they do with it. And if anyone thinks they would have called it, I think it was plus 10,000 on FanDuel that the next oh. was going quarterback. So they're, they're Wow. You know. Rager was plus 1,000. And I, want, I wanted to bet on that real bad. Uh, but I put I a lot of money on IU. Not yeah, a lot of I, money, but like $30. Nice. I, I couldn't, I couldn't uh, put the money down because I'm in PA, not New Jersey. So I was going to bet 50 bucks on Rager. I would have made 500. Jeez. All right, yeah. fellas. Yeah, let's hop out of here. We're out. That's Mike Skolski. That's Brendan Albert. Skolski's got to go take care of his baby. Peace. That's right. Appreciate it. <laughs>